When empty nest syndrome is just around the corner for some of us and the real world of independence is just around the corner for our kids, what kind of dreams, what fears, interests, and priorities do today's young people actually have? How do those differ from what was important to us? And what do young people wish their parents knew more about their world as they attempt to navigate it with their faith intact? Today, we'll be hearing it straight from the horses' mouths, as it were, as we speak with three young men who find themselves in the midst of navigating a rapidly changing world. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, located just north of Atlanta. It's a residential treatment facility for troubled teens. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host is Trace Embry, the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill Academy. And we're here each day to help you renew your license to parent. Our hope, of course, being that you can head off needing to have your troubled teens come to stay here at Shepherds Hill. And uh, Trace, today we are going to take a slightly different approach, perhaps, to a parenting program in that we're going to hopefully share with parents what their kids might wish they had known about their world and might wish they still knew about their worlds. Right. We've got three uh, bright young men in our studio today. At least they say they're bright, and we're taking their word for it. Uh, they're going to hopefully help us shed some light on how parents can better understand the plight of their teenagers and their young adults as those teens and young adults prepare to enter the workforce, to go to college, start their careers, and other independent pursuits. Well, Rich, not long before this program aired, I had an idea. Well, I had a few kids here on campus. I say kids, they're in their early 20s, uh, my son being one of them, and his two friends from the Chicago area. Their names are Richie Sabatis, uh, his brother Jake Sabatis, uh, and my son Andrew. And I thought, you know what, uh, they're leaving for, uh, for Chicago, back to Chicago tomorrow, and I thought it would be a good idea to have these guys on, and uh, you know, they're upstanding young men trying to live out their faith in today's culture, and I thought, you know what, Let's let's have them on while they're here and uh, and talk about uh, parenting from the perspective of guys who are going to be parents pretty soon and have uh, you know can look back on their experience uh, growing up and maybe give parents a heads up on on, on what they can uh, do better to to bring their kids up in the way they should go. We're trying to catch them while it's still fresh in their memories because we know we've long forgotten exactly. what we would what we would have advised. exactly <laughs> exactly. Well, gentlemen, welcome to the Licensed to Parent broadcast. I, I appreciate you guys coming on such short notice. Uh, I know you didn't expect this. You didn't sign up for it, but you're here, and uh, I think there's going to be some parents out there in radio land that are going to uh, be better off for it. Uh, Jake, let's start with you. You're the youngest. Um, what are some things that, that parents, uh, from your point of view, are, are the least on top of when it comes to raising their kids today? What, what can they do to improve uh, in, in that area? Well, I think that a lot of parents have a false sense of being on top of things with social media. Hmm. You know, every every parent seems to be friends with their kids online. You know, every every adult nowadays has their own Facebook account. But what I've experienced is when your parents and stuff get on Facebook, you tend to move away to some other form of <laughs> where there's where it's just going back to kids again. So you don't tend to do as much stuff on Facebook. Well, your parents don't know that, so they think that you're still doing everything on Facebook, so there's a lot of ways to hide hide things. What are some of those ways? Like, I mean, it started with, uh, you know, everybody had a MySpace, and then mm -hmm. they went from MySpace to Facebook, and now people are moving away from Facebook and going to Twitter and just even Snapchat and Instagram, you know, Instagram and all other forms of 
things that haven't been, you know, taken over by adults. Vetted, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was in my, uh, my uh, sister's uh, house the other day and uh, her daughter was on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that much about it other than it's, it, it can be dangerous. That's all I knew. And I, I, when I pointed it out to my, my sister, uh, I can tell that my niece didn't quite like that idea. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Why wouldn't she want her mother to know that Instagram wasn't something that she just should, should take lightly? I mean, I personally don't have an Instagram, but the thing that I know about Instagram is it's not like Facebook where it's only your friends on there. You put on pictures with hashtags and words and like you could use any word to describe the picture and other people could search for that picture by using that word and it just comes up in all the results. Mm -hmm. So you could have a picture of yourself on there with say, you know, hanging out or whatever you want to say about it and anybody could find that picture. And and add different words to it? Not add different words. it all depends on what you have the settings, but they can comment anything on it or even save the picture, mm-hmm. whatever they whatever they want to do. They, that, they have access to the pictures and presumably the geotags that go with it and, and other issues. So it, it's a stalker's delight. Okay. All right. So it is, it is a bit dangerous if yeah. not properly uh, governed. Yeah. And if you're taking a picture outside of your house, they could see where you are or, you know, anything like that. It's not reserved to just people you know. I see. Like, for instance, one of my friends put on a picture of his car and tagged it with American Muscle and stuff, and he got over 2,000 likes on it, and he doesn't have that many people (laughs) as his friends. So it's just something that anybody could see. I see. Uh, Richie, what do you think most young men find important in their lives today that that, that parents would, would do well to better understand? I think parents have an understanding that friends are important to their kids. But at the same time, I don't think they realize the type of influence their friends have on them. And a lot of parents that I've seen today don't actually pay attention to who their children are friends with. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll know the person's face. They'll see them when they're maybe around the house. But um, a lot of people or a lot of kids don't do whatever they're going to do. If you're going to take it in a negative way, whatever they're going to be doing that they don't want their parents to know, they aren't going to be doing it at home. They're not mm-hmm. going to be doing it in front of their parents. Right. And it's a good idea to have them have a really good understanding of who their friends are. Is it even possible for parents to monitor with all the, the digital technology that's out there? Is it really practical for parents to do that without looking like a you know an ogre hovering over them all the time? Um I would say that it's not an easy thing to do, and um, I think that a good thing to do would be establish trust and credibility with your child before you even get into a situation like that. It's kind of you have to be more proactive. I do have a question to follow up uh, on that, Richie, because since you and Jake are brothers, obviously there were probably some secrets that you had about each other that your parents knew nothing about. Is there a way that parents can build a good relationship with? their sibling children, such that you're not considered a person tattling or going against a brother's trust or whatever. A system of accountability. Is there something that you might think of that, you know, if if my parents had done this, then we would have had better lines of communication. The thought being, you don't want to rat out your brother if something's going on, but at the same time, if your brother is potentially in trouble or doing something you shouldn't, any, any light you might be able to shed on that, and I'll open that up both ways. In yeah. fact, if you'd like to open the doors and, and rat on yourselves right now, <laughs> we'd be glad to make that I'll, available. Uh, I'll pass on that opportunity. <laughs> okay. um, but what I will actually do is, um, I mean, obviously we're on a biblical-based 
uh, program right now. Sure. And my brother and I were raised very biblically. And I think that the the best way to go about that was to follow basically what the instructions are in the Bible. And it's, you know, you can, you can talk to people, you can, you know, there's not many strongs closer than that of two close brothers or even like a, a mother and child and stuff. I mean, there's always stuff that people keep from each other, but there are certain things where you can kind of use your better judgment to know if it's something stupid that your brother did. Mom doesn't need to know about that. But if their life or well-being or something is in danger, it takes thought and you can't just always handle that by yourself. So it's better to get somebody else's take on it and who better than your parents. The uh, yeah. thing I might, the thing that I wanted to add to that was with our parents, we had a, we had a really good relationship with our parents and we, we weren't worried about our parents getting mad at us whenever we did something. We had a relationship where we didn't want to disappoint them. So through, you know, the Bible and what they taught us and, you know, just, you know, we didn't want to disappoint them. So that kept us out of a lot of trouble because we had a really good relationship mm-hmm. where we weren't resentful. Sure. And uh, we just wanted to do everything. It was always in the back of our minds that we didn't want to disappoint them. It wasn't that they were going to get angry at us. It was, we were more worried about them being disappointed. And I think that comes from the fact that somewhere along the line in your childhood, uh, that they earned your respect. Yeah. I mean, they led a lot of things through example and they Mm -hmm. never told us anything that they didn't do. So it's not like they did anything to uh, contradict themselves. Yeah. Richie, let me, let me ask you another question. Uh, coming from the perspective of a guy who, who isn't, you know, too far out of your teen years yourself, uh, do you feel that parents today are, are, are demanding or earning the respect that their kids, uh, or from their kids rather, that they should be? Um, I mean, I could kind of bring that back to the whole social uh, media aspect. And it seems like, uh, in today's society, what a lot of people want to do is appear cool to their kids, mm-hmm. and they don't want to be the uncool parent who won't let their kid go to said movie or dance or whatever. A lot of people, especially teenagers, because that's what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. is they... There's always that, there's always been that part where there's going to be a teenager and they see their parents and they're going to think, wow, they're really uncool, but... To me, and I mean, I never experienced this with my parents, but I've seen it happen to my friends. It's a lot more uncool when your parents are trying to act cool than when they're actually trying to be a parent. No, I agree with that. So I I would just say that parents need to stick with being a parent because that's what they're there for, not to be the friend. So what has to change in the mind or the perspective uh, or the spirit of the parent in order for that to actually happen? Do you think it's appropriate for kids to say, hey, mom, could you just be my mom or dad can just be my dad? Or do they have to have an epiphany some other way? I think when you know and when you're with your, you know, husband or wife and you know that you're going to have a child, you need to start mentally preparing at that point to know that you're going to be a parent until this child is out of the house or, you know, for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. So you need to take on that mentality. And when you, a, a child should never have to ask their parent to be a parent. The child is the child and the parent needs to be the parent. And, and that's they, what they're there for. I think mm-hmm. that's wise counsel. And I think that you guys are confirming uh, all, uh, so much of what we talk about in this program because social media, the computers and all that stuff is, is a big topic, but it's, it's really 
uh, almost the heartbeat of your guys' uh, culture and, and, your, and your lives, uh, and you're confirming that because it seems to always come back to social media. Yeah. We need to take a break for just a moment and uh, uh, allow our stations to have a moment to breathe and us to have a moment to breathe as well. Our guests today are Andrew Embry. We've not heard from Andrew yet. We'll do that right <laughs> after the break. Uh, that's Trace's son, but also brothers Richie and Jake Sebatis. You're listening to Licensed to Parent with our host, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Roslin. We'll be back right after this. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month, Christ-centered, nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. It's difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're face-to-face with a teenager who argues with you at every turn. Maybe you and your teen can't talk to one another about anything without it getting complicated. For nearly two decades, Shepherd's Hill Academy has been bringing healing to teens and families from around the world. Up until now, that help has come through its residential treatment facility in North Georgia. But now, your family can benefit from that experience at home through Shepherd's Hill Family Coaching, designed to help you discern God's will for your family, build good communication skills, deal with defiant children, and more. Our family coaching team will work with you by phone, in your home, at work, even while you're on the road, to help your family develop a game plan to succeed. Sign up for Shepherd's Hill Family Coaching today by visiting LicensedToParent.org. Live the family life your family was designed for. Click on the Family Coaching banner at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, located just north of Atlanta, a residential outreach for troubled teens. And uh, our host, of course, is Trace Embry, the founder and executive director of Shepherd's Hill Academy. And I'm Rich Rosel. Today, we are talking with some young men who are right at the transition point. They are they're young adults. They're heading into careers. They are looking down the road toward families. And we're trying to find out, while it's still semi-fresh on their minds, what advice they could give um, to our generation, the older generation of parents, about things we should know or that we should know more about their lives. I hope I said all that right. But uh, I want to turn to uh, to Trace's son, Andrew, who, uh, who has been the silent member of our <laughs> cast so far. Now, Andrew, your dad's not going to listen to any of this. Okay? I'll leave the room. He's going to leave the room. But you grew up here at Shepherd's Hill Academy, so you've been around the teaching that we talk about all of your life. Mm-hmm. There's a, a big concern among parents, especially Christian parents, about am I sheltering my child? Am I, am I allowing my child to grow up in the way that he should? Am I skewing one way or the other too much? Um, for you, since you did grow up in something of a bubble here— 
Did you find it to be true? Were you too sheltered? Um, well, first of all, I think nowadays the word sheltered is viewed um, almost in a negative aspect. And mm. I don't think that that's necessarily fair. I think I, I mean, I see what people are saying, but no, I don't think I was sheltered to answer your question. Um, I mean, I was I went to public school until third grade. I was homeschooled fourth and fifth and I went to private um, from sixth grade until I graduated. But I never really felt that I was sheltered. But um, I mean, even if I had, I don't think that that's necessarily um a wrong, like a bad thing, but especially okay. I mean, in this culture, yeah, particularly yeah. in this culture. Well, what about the argument that some parents make that perhaps what they should do is allow their children to step into what we might consider some of the dangerous waters? Maybe allow them occasionally to go see that R-rated movie, or or perhaps enroll them in public school rather than homeschool or private Christian school. Do you think there's any validity to that argument? Is is there a worth in allowing the kids to tread into dangerous water while mm-hmm. still under the umbrella of the parents? Well, I think it totally depends on the child and the parent um, as far as making that decision. Um, there are certain R-rated movies that would be appropriate for certain kids to see. And, and I think even healthy for them to see. Uh, you know, the Bible is a, a book of violence, for crying out loud. There's a lot of violence in there, but it's not gratuitous violence. And so there are R-rated movies that even here at Shepherd's Hill that we have our kids see. I was going to ask you to mention some yeah, of those. Yeah, I don't, I don't want Hollywood to be the arbiter of what right and wrong, good and evil is. Uh, an example would be uh, Passion of the Christ. You know, it's an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, we already mentioned that. Uh, Glory, which is a movie about the Civil War, yeah. R-rated movie. Those are movies that I think were, uh, you know, for a 15, 16-year-old kid w- with us there in the room to to help, uh, if we need to go into dialogue about it, great. But I think those are things that are wonderful education tools that uh, we're, we're ripping our kids off if we don't show those things to them. And, and again, one of the things you just pointed out, Trace, we're not suggesting that you just open the door and that a seven-year-old right. would be seeing this movie. It's got to be you know, something that you as the parent gauge based on the age and the maturity and your ability as a discerning adult to walk through that event you know, right. with your child and talk about it. Exactly. Well, I'm going to direct this, this question to, uh, to Jake. Jake, off the top of your head, what, what, what's the one thing that, uh, that's vitally important to young people today that, that parents consider a low priority, where parents just don't think it's all that important, but to kids, young adults your age, it's very important? Well, I think it does all come back to technology. You know, hmm. I think parents do see... You know, they try to see uh, the importance of it and stuff, but they just don't realize how important it is to some kids. Yeah. I mean, I go to college and I see people in class on their phones and the teacher will tell them to get off their phones and they're almost in a physical pain when they can't, yeah, oh yeah. When they can't get to their phone and text somebody and, you know, we, they don't realize that... Uh, when a punishment of taking something away is almost like a physical pain sure. because it's like an addiction yeah. and you, you take it away and that's all you could think about when, sure. when it's taken away. Uh, Richie, do you think that, that this is a result of maybe the kids having these devices at too young of, of an age to where, where they feel entitled to have them? It becomes an addendum to their personality, to who they are as a human being, their, their, their self-worth, their dignity. Do you feel like this is something that has uh, uh, caused uh, kids to, as Jake said, uh, really feel pain when these things are removed from them? Yeah, I, I actually think I would. And um, I would take that up 
extra step further and say that a lot of people find their identity in what their phone is and, and who they're friends with online. And um, especially in the culture that we live in today, we're like brainwashed almost into just consumerism and what the next best product is and how this next product, no matter what it is, is going to change your life and make you happier mm-hmm. and give you peace and joy until the next one comes out. And that's why people are constantly searching for something that is going to give them relief or hope or something. And they don't find that and they need to find that in the Lord. Mm -hmm. I just heard a commercial, in fact, on my way over to the studio today uh, from one of the cell phone providers or now smartphone providers uh, talking about why wait two years to get the next newest device with our plan. You can get it in just one year. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here looking at the age of my phone, which I think was made some back in the uh, back in the Stone Age, maybe. <laughs> but you know, we you're right. We don't have to have the latest and greatest, but we are told we do. Yeah. Well, I think that's indicative of just uh, how much power uh, media has. Uh, Madison Avenue, the advertising agencies, have over our decisions. I mean, these guys. I mean, Budweiser. They don't pump a million dollars for a thirty second ad in the Super Bowl, uh, not expecting a large market share back, sure. you know, I mean, this is just business common sense uh, to, to, to that industry. But I think it's pulled the wool over, over the eyes of a lot of parents, a lot of kids, uh, which brings me to my next question. Jake, do you think that uh, most teenagers trust most adults? Well, I think you have sort of a mixed bag there. I mean, I have friends that trust their parents and I have friends that wouldn't trust their parents as far as they could push them. Yeah, and I'm not talking about just parents now. I'm talking about uh, young the older people generation. trusting adults, period, teachers, coaches, uh, uh, professors, uh, neighbors, uh, the grocer, whoever. Radio hosts. Radio hosts. <laughs> yeah, I would have to say that, you know, it's a mixed thing. It all depends on what background they come from. Some of my, some of my friends who have parents who have been divorced or, you know, something like that, they really don't trust adults as much as maybe some of my friends who come from more stable families. So is there a link then between uh, that trust and the kids seeing responsibility being lived out and fulfilled in the lives of adults? Because if you're not going to finish your marriage out, then what else aren't you going to finish out? I I could say that, you know, from parents, you know, lead to everything that uh, the children go out and interact with other adults. My brother and I were homeschooled and uh, our parents took us out everywhere and we interacted with all their friends. And that's one thing that people still notice today that we can converse with uh, older people much better than other people of our generation. Because I think your your parents, and we've done programs uh, about this in the past, they expected more out of you. And 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 you delivered, yeah. And I think a lot of parents don't expect much out of their kids, other than you know achieving the next level of a video game. Uh, they don't do help around the house or anything like that. I uh, I think we've pampered this, this generation. Now you are this generation, so did I misspeak here? No, I th- I feel like with some of my uh, friends that uh, they're very unappreciative and. Uh, some of them don't realize how easy they do have it. Mm-hmm. And when they're asked to do a little something, they blow it out of proportion and totally think it's the end of the world. Is there entitlement issues involved there? Yeah, I think some of it is. Well, I want to ask a question to, to you guys, uh, and we'll start with, with Richie. Uh, what do most guys your age 
uh, or teenagers, let's let's take it back a few, a few years to the teenage years. What what do most teenagers fear? Actually, fear growing up today that that parents would do well to understand. Uh, I believe the number one thing that I mean, you could be a teen, you could be a person in your twenties, you can be in your fifties. I think a lot of people fear rejection and. Um, that's where a lot of the problems come in when you're in your teen years is you are told by your parents, don't do this or don't do that. And then you're around your friends and you see that they want you to do something that you were told not to do and you don't want to be rejected by those people. So you have that influence on Mm -hmm. you and you don't want that fear of rejection and that feeling of, well, I see these people every day. I don't really want them to think any less of me. So I'm going to do what they want. So that way they like me instead of taking a stand against that, because mm-hmm. that's the unpopular thing to do. Sure. And, and, and where does Christ come in the equation here? Do you think if more, more young people had a relationship and performed before that audience of one, that God that, that, that they can't see, smell, taste, or touch, do you think that might help them with that, those significant issues of significance and belonging and identity and whatnot? Well, I mean, I could tell you personally in, in my life and in my teen years, I was exposed to a lot of underage drinking and drug use and stuff like that. And I myself never partook in that. But I can tell you that when I was seeing those things occur right in front of my eyes and I was being asked to do those things, that I did find strength in what I had in my biblical background, knowing that it was wrong to do these things. And, you know, this this shows about licensing to parent and stuff. And, I mean, you think about the commandment that says, honor your mother and father, and it goes back to what my brother was saying. We wanted to always get approval from our parents. Like, it meant more to us to get approval from our parents than it did to get approval from our friends because we spent a lot of time with our parents and we cared what our parents thought about us more so than what our friends did. Sure, sure. Uh, Jake, you want to comment on that? And one of the things, I experienced the same thing. And, you know, my friends would always call me straight edge and all this stuff and walking all this, you know, goody two shoes or whatever. But I could still hang around with those people Mm -hmm. and I didn't let it influence me. And when you take a hard stand against something like that, you don't lose your friend's respect. They do respect you for some of the things. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're not... uh, you know, you're not bending and going one way one day and right. then going the other way. Right. You just take a hard stand and you earn your friend's respect as well as maintaining your parents' yeah. respect. Our guests today have been uh, Andrew Embry and brothers Richie and Jake Sebatis, uh, both of the Sebatis uh, brothers from the Chicago area down visiting here at Shepherd's Hill, and we're glad to have them with us. And we've been talking with these young men, those who are in the midst of navigating a rapidly changing world, what advice they would give to their parents' generation about things that we as the, the older generation should know or should have known Absolutely. about their generation coming along. It's a bit of a transitional program, I guess. You guys have an objection to coming back? No. Good. Okay, well, you've just extended your stay here. That's good. We're going to unlock the doors. <laughs> this is Licensed to Parent with our host, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal, And again, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a residential treatment program for troubled teens just north of Atlanta, Georgia. So glad to have you with us, and we would like to have you with us in an even stronger way. And that is our invitation to you to become a partner of Shepherds Hill and the Licensed to Parent broadcast. Your financial and your prayerful support is what enables us to keep this program on the air week after week. 
and to keep our daily feature on the air each day on uh, so many radio stations. We're grateful to our radio partners, and we're grateful to you for anything you can do to help. If you'd like to help support this ministry, please visit our website, which is licensedtoparent.org. Again, that's licensedtoparent.org. And in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a Donate button. Shepherd's Hill Academy and Licensed to Parent are 501c3 organizations, and any gift you can offer will be completely tax-deductible. I'm Rich Rosl. Thanks so much for being with us, and we hope to see you again next time. And remember, folks, if you don't train your kids, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.